Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would help us now as we go to your word. You have taken great pains to bring this word to us. And it's not just a book, it's a living word. Your, your living word. So let us come to it with respect that we need to have. Let us come to it with open hearts, open ears, open eyes, so that we may see and understand what you want us to see and understand today. Lord, I pray for me uh, as I deliver your word today that I would simply be a mouthpiece that you would use and that through your spirit you would you would speak to every heart here today, including my own, in Christ. Amen. Centuries ago, it was a common practice for a new king to annihilate the entire family of the king he had replaced, no matter how he came to the throne. Even kings who rose to the throne from within a kingdom often killed off the rest of the royal family so that none of the descendants of the former king could ever threaten his position or his power. And if you look in the New Testament, you see King Herod killing off his own family, <laughs> making sure none of those guys, even his sons or a wife or whatever, would usurp the throne. And actually, if we're truthful, this is still happening today, isn't it? Some countries where somebody rises to power and they wipe out all of their enemies. Well, you've probably heard the phrase before, eliminate the competition. Maybe this is where that phrase came from, I don't know. Is this the first example of eliminating the competition? I don't think so, because as I thought about it, I realized this idea of eliminating the competition goes way back before this, all the way back to the second generation of man, Cain and Abel. Remember? First two children Adam and Eve had, and uh, they bring their offerings to God, they bring their sacrifices to God, and Abel's is accepted, but Cain's is rejected. And he becomes dejected and angry. He goes out and finds his, his brother Abel out in a field and he kills him. You eliminate the competition. What is it in the spirit of man? What is in the nature of man that we want to be on top? We want to be first. We have this, this, uh, this selfishness about it. Our very nature is self-interest, self-protection, self-centeredness. The kindness and goodness that we read about this week in our Believe book and in the Bible, in those passages that were shared with us this week, do not come naturally to us. Kindness and goodness. Now, we may do something kind, we may do something good, but to really have a heart that is pushing for that and striving for that, it does not happen naturally. They come rather from God. God who instructs us, God who inspires us, to be good and kind to the people around us. Now, the Apostle Paul noted this when he gave us this list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. He, he kind of alluded to this by the very words he chose for kindness and goodness. There are several words he could have chosen, several things that he, he could have pulled out of the Greek language for the word good or the word kind, 
But he chose these two words for a very special reason. And in his famous list of Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he used the word Christos for kindness and agathos for goodness. Now, you don't know Greek, probably, but would you just say those with me? Christos for kindness and agathos for goodness. And the reason he chose these words is that there's something deeper to them, something behind them that you may not pick up by just seeing the English word translated into goodness or to kindness. For in each of these words is this idea that the outward acts, the things that we do that are visible to others, really stem from something first in our own hearts, generated from deep within us in the inner moral sense that we have the value of the other person, and why we would express kindness or goodness to that other person. Biblical kindness and goodness are done out of a heart that desires what is right and good for other people. And so, our sermon title is chosen specifically for that. I choose to be good. I choose to be kind. Our key verse for this morning is in 1 Thessalonians 5.15. And it says this, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Over 30 years ago, a young woman was driving alone at night in a rough area of downtown Los Angeles. She was driving an old Datsun 1200, the best car she could afford at the time, but it was a piece of junk. This car was unquestionably the worst she'd ever had. It was undependable. It left her stranded in one of the worst sections of that city. Catherine, by name, had just exited the freeway, and as she braked at the end of the off-ramp, her engine suddenly died. All the lights went out, the headlights, the dash lights, everything. Worse yet, the inside of her car started filling with smoke. She knew she was in trouble. She jumped out of the car, only to see two men running toward her. One was holding a blanket that he had pulled from the trunk of their car, and Catherine panicked. She said, oh man, I'm dead. You know, this is it. But the men pushed right on past her, and one popped the hood of her car. And that's when she realized her engine was on fire. Flames were running along the throttle line, and they quickly doused that. They smothered the flames with this blanket and, and stopped that. You see, at any moment, the car could have exploded, injuring her and the men. But it didn't. Within minutes, the fire department arrived, but the fire was already out by then. And two men had saved her car and probably saved her life. They had done something kind for her while putting their own lives at risk. And once it was all over and Catherine looked up to thank these two men, and they were gone. She couldn't say thank you. Now she had a dilemma. She had no way to repay the men who had helped her. And since she couldn't do anything to repay them, she decided to return the favor by helping someone else. She started looking for someone else in as desperate a situation as she was in, and then she stepped in to do that. And that's where the idea for her of pay it forward came from. Her first opportunity came when she helped a woman who was stranded by the side of the road. And the woman kept asking her, how can I repay you? Offering her money. Instead, she said, don't pay it back to me, pay it forward to someone else. And then Catherine spent the next 20 years wondering, what kind of a world would it be if all of us simply started being kind to each other? If this idea would catch fire. 20 years later, she wrote a book, Pay It Forward, 
which was released as a major motion picture in 2000. It starred Kevin Spacey, Alan Hunt, and Hale Joel Osment. And in it, if you ever watch this movie, there's this fourth grade boy who is challenged by his teacher, along with his classmates, to figure out some way you can change the world. And as he thought about it, he came up with this idea of paying it forward. Here's how he explained his ideas to his teacher and his classmates. He said, if somebody did you a favor, something big, something you couldn't possibly do on your own, and instead of paying it back, you paid it forward to three people. And the next day, they each paid it forward to three more. And the day after that, those 27 paid it forward to another three. And each day, everyone in turn paid it forward to three more people. In two weeks, it would come to 4,782,969 people. He did the math. Now, is that possible? His teacher in the movie said, this is an overly utopian idea. This is impossible. This won't happen. But could you make a difference in your world? If each of us would help three people, who would in turn help three more people and so on, what might happen? Well, it could really make a difference, couldn't it? It's easy to see, however, that this plan would break down pretty quickly. You know how people are. You know how we are. You know how you would forget or you know how you would just not want to go along with it. And so it would just fall apart within just a few days. But what if God was the author of such a plan? What if God was the author who said, I will not only have the idea, but I will enable you to accomplish this idea. And that through my people, as they learn my heart, they would express goodness and kindness to other people. And this world could be changed for good. But only because God is in it. And only because God is the one making the changes. We can learn to pay it forward, to do something good and kind for someone else with no thought for ourselves or for our own well-being. This is against our nature, but it can happen if we will allow God to work in us. And I believe that we can change the world one person at a time by learning to have the heart of God, but only if that's what happens. Only if the heart of God actually changes the heart that we had before our hearts must experience a total change by the power of Jesus Christ. And if this does happen, if we listen to the Spirit and we allow the Spirit to create His fruit within our lives, then we can be different people. And goodness and kindness come as a fruit of that, not as something that we're forcing to happen or trying to do under our own effort. And how does this look? What does this look like? I want to share three things with you briefly that comes out of the goodness and kindness that the fruit of the Spirit bears in our lives. First of all, out of a pure heart, we strive to encourage others. Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, treat people the way you want them to treat them, the way you want to be treated. And we call it the golden rule. In Philippians 2, we read about Jesus and his sacrifice and what he gave and Paul says there, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I hope that every morning you have a desire that you would serve God in your life. 
and that you would seek opportunities where God would take the good that He is depositing in our hearts and give it to someone else. We should start every day on the lookout to encourage others. In every conversation, in every interaction with others, we would try to do something or say something kind because kindness builds people up. We're not to worry about how others are treating us, but how we're treating them. And we are given kind of an unlimited bank account of goodness and kindness. And we seek to bless others by giving it away. Now let me show you what this looks like. And and, uh, just simple little things that that happened this week. Not to say anything about Jane or I, but I'm going to tell you two quick little stories. Just take them for whatever they're worth. Thursday, I was off, and I was taking our grandson, Grayson, to Costco, which was our normal Thursday thing. And on the way back, we're passing the office building where our daughter had been working until this week in a medical office. She had a very dear friend there, Abby, and they worked together for the last couple years. And then Jenna got a new job, left Abby there at that office alone. And she's trying to get to another job herself, but she's still there. And somehow that, that, that thought of Abby being there alone all week just kind of hit me. It's Thursday. Wondering how her week's going. She loves Grayson, our grandson. And so I said, let's just stop by and say hi to Abby. It was lunchtime. So we ran in there and uh, saw some of the other staff, and they brought Abby out, and Abby just had a little fun time with, with Grayson. And we just wanted to say to you, you're not forgotten. You know, you're, you're here different. Jenna's moved on, but you're here. People are, th- are thinking about you, praying for you. And we left. Five minutes. Later on, she texted our daughter and she said, that's the kindest thing that has happened to me in a long, long time. Uh, Last evening, Jane and I were walking. We had gone to Maryland for her uh, mother's 80th birthday party. We came back, still time to take a walk, so we're out walking through the neighborhood. We passed this one little cul-de-sac, and and the guy that owns a flower gallery, Doug, lives there. And we're just going up there, and he pulls into his driveway just as we're coming by, and she says, you know, the arrangement that they made for my mom's birthday party was gorgeous. I need to tell him that. And so we waited. He didn't come out of his car. He's just sitting in the car for a while. We're going down the block, and Jane's just kind of hanging back like, has he got out of the car yet? He's got out of the car? Okay, he's out of the car. She called back to Doug. I just want to tell you that arrangement that your staff made for my mom's birthday party was the most beautiful thing. It was perfect. The colors were just right and everything. And Doug said with his big smile on his face, he says, that is especially to good to hear after the rough day I've had. Now, neither of those things cost us a thing. Just a few minutes of time, but what a difference that impact might have in their lives. And that's the kind of thing that we strive to encourage one another. And there's all kinds of ideas. You go online, you'll find suggestions for these things. Helping others shop that are having trouble reaching things, or offering to put gas in someone else's car. You know, you're filling up your car and say, hey, Just go ahead and use my credit card. You fill up your tank, too. Or pick up trash in your neighborhood. Or put change in someone else's parking meter. Or offer nearby workers a bottle of water or snack. Or pick up groceries for a neighbor. You're down there and you think of this neighbor you know who has trouble getting to the grocery store. You call him on the phone. What else can I pick up for you? Or read a book to a child. Or leave your leftover gift card balance for the person in line behind you. You know, that that last dollar or two that's on there, five dollars, uh, just give it to them. Or invite someone over for a holiday or leave a thank you note for your mail carrier. Probably shock them to death. Uh, or mow a neighbor's lawn. 
that they really be helpful in the rain that we've been having, or, or tip your server more than you usually would, or, or buy dessert for the people at the table next to you in the restaurant. I mean, the ideas are countless. Hundreds of options, hundreds of opportunities every day if we allow God to lead us. We've got to see people as God sees them. See them in the hurting helplessness that they have and strive somehow to encourage other people. That's kindness and goodness. Out of a pure heart, here's another thing. This is in our, our verse itself. We refuse to seek payback. This is a tough one. This is the main point of the verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.15. It says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind. This verse commands us to strive not to get even, but rather to do the right thing, no matter what. When our hearts were filled with selfishness and pride and jealousy, it was the most natural thing to want to get even with someone. If they insult us, we insult them back. If they hurt us, we hurt them back. Or we try and figure out a way to right the wrongs that have been done to us or to make sure that person understands how much harm they caused us. Many people feel justified today in being nasty to anyone who's been nasty to them. But that's not God's way. That's not God's love. Because God sees us as redeemable. God sees us as someone that could be forgiven. Somebody whose life could be so much better than it is to this point. And so Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek. He says, don't worry about protecting yourself. Don't worry about promoting yourself. Seek the good of the other person, even if they've insulted you or hurt you. Romans 12, Paul picks up this theme. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now that, that sounds a little mean. But what he's really saying is, you're going to make him stop and think, why would they do that? Why would they love me when I've only shown hate to them? Why would they be kind to me when I've been so mean to them? And that this burning on his head is, is the idea, how can this be? What is this about? And then Paul says in, in 12.21, he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's the answer to how we're to live. And so Paul reminded Titus and other Christians where we used to be. You know, we used to think in a certain way, but now we think in this way. He says in Titus 3.3, 3, At one time we too were foolish and disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. This is a description of where we were, where most people still are. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. You, you were like that. I was like that. I was struggling. I was hateful. I was vindictive. I was vengeful. Weren't you? Before you knew Christ and before the love of Christ started coming into your heart, wasn't it easy for you to insult back when you were insulted? Wasn't it easy for you to strike back when you had been struck? And Paul goes on, he says, God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
God gave us the opportunity to be washed clean of our sinfulness and to be made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we no longer have to worry about trying to get even with anybody. We only want to do whatever's in the heart of God to do for other people. And so Jesus said in Luke 6, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom we expect a repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now, these are very unexpected actions. This is not normal. This is not natural for you to love your enemy. It is not natural for you to do good to those who hate you. It is not natural for you to bless someone who's cursing you. It is not natural for you to pray for somebody who's mistreating you. But as a Christian, it is the most normal thing to be merciful as your Father is merciful. Because now the heart of God is infiltrating your heart. It is becoming your heart. And you are seeing people as God sees them. And out of this pure heart, you're not seeking revenge or retribution or payback. Out of a pure heart, then thirdly, we do whatever love requires. I can't tell you what that's going to be in every instance. I can't tell you what love is going to require of you this week when you face that, that uh, person at work that you have trouble with. I can't tell you what love is going to require when you deal with a family member who is repeating, a repeat offender. You know, I, I can't tell you what love is going to require when you have a brother or sister in Christ that, that really needs to be held accountable for something in their life. But God will show you, and God will tell you. Maybe love requires you to turn the other cheek and not retaliate when it is in your your own right to do so. Maybe love requires you or me to sacrifice something that we have or something that we want in order to help someone else, even our enemy. Maybe love requires us to exert tough love on a friend or family member when God wants them to change their behavior or their attitude. And the kind of love that God has for us, the love that he's He's demonstrated to us, sometimes through kindness and grace, sometimes through discipline, is the love that He wants to produce in us by His Spirit. And a love that wants more for people than they even know is possible. They can't see it, but God sees it. God saw it in us, and He can teach us to see it in them. This love is not some kind of sappy sentimentality of a fourth grader uh, trying to keep his teacher's assignment and he comes with this pay-it-forward idea. This is real love. This is love of substance, love of sincerity, love of selflessness and sacrifice. And loving with God's love 
can be difficult. It can be messy. It is not easy. But when our hearts are filled with God's love, we will do whatever it takes, whatever love requires. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So what are we talking about here? What's, what's the bottom line today? The bottom line is the heart of God. Is that what you want? Do you want God's heart to be in your heart, to be the heart that you live by? Are you pursuing the heart of God? For what God has done for us as sinners, He wants to do in the lives of everyone else, even our enemies, even in the lives of the worst people we can imagine. The fruit that is growing inside us by the power of the Holy Spirit is the same fruit He wants to produce in everyone's lives. But they can't do that on their own. They can only do that when God comes in and changes them from the inside out. God knew us better than anyone, and yet He did not withhold His kindness to us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 And now as the heart of God replaces the shriveled up, selfish old heart that we used to have, he gives us the power to express his kindness and goodness to others who don't deserve them, may not even understand them. Are you pursuing the heart of God? Are you pursuing the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Because that's the rub. That's where it all happens or doesn't happen is the willingness, the availability of our own hearts, the desire for the heart of God to be in us. Is that your desire? That's the question this morning. And if it is, God will enable you, God will empower you, and give us love and kindness and goodness that we never thought we'd be capable of. Would you pray with me? God, do we get it? Do we understand? Do we really get it that we can never do these things on our own? Or do we understand that your Holy Spirit has to be given free reign in our lives? We've got to get out of the way. We've got to stop holding on to things. We have to open our very spirit, our very soul to your spirit and allow him to change us. Lord, I pray today for each person in this assembly. I pray for myself that every day as we get up in the morning we would say, God, what do you want to do in me today? What do you want to do through my life? How do you want me to be a blessing to those around me? How, how do you want me to express kindness and goodness? How do you want me to lift up Jesus into the lives of the people around us? Lord, I pray for all of us that we would get out of the way and, and just give you that free reign. As we serve you, help us help one another. Help us encourage each other. We would do that. Help us 
not worry about paybacks and vengeance and making things even again. Maybe even to be hurt again and again uh, in order to show your grace and love to someone and, and to, to understand that's our best way of maybe impacting them for Christ. Help us, Lord, to do whatever love requires because it's your love that, that is most important to us. We want your love to be expressed to the people around us. Lord, I pray for each brother and sister here today as they strive to serve you that they would realize this is this is dependence on a power that is not our own, that is only you. It's only enabled through your Spirit. Help us, guide us, enable us as we yield, as we surrender. And Lord, please keep making me. Please keep working on me. And help us to be more and more like Christ. Help us to be children of of our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song of, of desire, of dedication. Uh, it's just simply called Keep Making Me. And as we do that, um, if you have any decision you want to share, feel free to come up and, and share that decision today with us. Um, if you have prayers that you need to offer up continually to God for your own life and where you realize you're struggling, please do that. Let's use this as a very real decision time, uh, either to share or, or just a decision time between you and the Lord as we worship him together. Would you please stand?